So I'm going to read some verses, some lyrics for you this morning. Try not to make a, make a mess of this, but yeah, my blood's so mad, feels like coagulating. I'm sitting here just contemplating. I can't twist the truth that knows no regulation. Handful of senators don't pass legislation. And marches alone can't bring integration when human respect is disintegrating. This whole crazy world is just too frustrating. Think of all the hate there is in red China. Then take a look around at the Twin Cities. You may leave here for a few days into space, but when you return, it's the same old place. The pounding of the drums, the pride and disgrace. You can bury your dead, but don't leave no trace. Hate your neighbor, but don't forget to say grace. I took a bit of poetic license with that, with some of the words from this 1964 classic by, uh, what's his name, J.P. Sloan, uh, most notably performed by Barry McGuire called The Eve of Destruction. There's just so much going on these days that I don't understand. I'm sure you grapple with it. There's so many horrible things going on, people killing without regard. There are things going on that are deeply, deeply troubling and disturbing. There are things going on that make my blood boil, and there are things that are going on that isolate us from each other. Hold on, I'm going to... Exit out of there. I was on Zoom, making sure it all worked. There's so much to worry about. There are so many people who are hurt, people who are hurting others. Uh, there's so much pain, misery, loneliness, infighting and outfighting. And this is only what's going on external to us, right? It's affecting us all. I mean, I know this, that, that it's affected everybody. We, we've had loss. We've had loss of jobs. We've had loss of people. Uh, we've, we've got fear, right? We've got anxiety. Uh, we've got job changes. Um, I mean, look at us here, right? We're, we're half, half here, half at home. Um, but what's happening in your life and what's happening in my life on the inside, in addition to all of this, right? There's still pain, right? There's still suffering. There's still struggles. There's emotional, physical, financial, spiritual, whole life aspect. It's been a tough season for many of us and continues to be so. So where do we find hope and help in times like these? Lots of places. Obviously, we just sing about Jesus, right? We find our hope in, in our Savior, in our Lord, in Jesus. And this morning, I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 11 to explore that a little bit. Matthew chapter 11 is sort of a turning point in, in Matthew's gospel. Um, the beginning of Matthew, he sends out his disciples um, they, they go into the cities, their cities, it says. We presume that means the cities that, belong, that his disciples were from. And we're going to go down to verse 20. We'll start off and just read verse 20 through 30. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been, been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it would be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than you. 
And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. Verse 25, at that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows Father, the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you would pray with me again. Father, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for this offer of rest, Lord, this offer of a lighter, easier burden that, Lord, turning to you uh, will lift burdens from us, will give us rest, a rest in you, Lord, that is worth everything. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for preserving it through the years. Thank you for those who penned it. Thank you for the Holy Spirit to, uh, to, to teach it to us, to make it useful in our lives. Lord, you tell us that your word doesn't uh, return to you void, that it will serve its purpose. And so, Lord, this morning we embrace that truth. We ask you to make it useful in our lives. Lord, help us, help us reflect your goodness to those around us by what we hear here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are always several ways to parse scripture, right? To categorize everything. I've, I'll probably talk about this a lot. Categorizing things, right? That's one of the things we do really well. As people, we categorize things. Um, so this morning, I want to parse the text out in this way. Uh, the first section we're going to talk about is the denunciation of the unrepentant. And then the gracious revelation to little children the person of Jesus Christ, and finally the offering of rest to the weary and burdened. Um, So the denunciation of the unrepentant. Um, Then, uh, these are up there, right? Uh, Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. We see that word, you know, they did not repent. And then a little further along, they would have repented long ago. If this message, Jesus said, if this message had been preached in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. Remember Job in, in his day, he, what did he do? He went up to ash heap in sackcloth, and, and there he, he tried to figure out what was going on. And sackcloth and ashes is a picture of our repentance, right? It's an outward expression. It's a thing they did um, to express their repentance, their, their solemn, I guess, prostration before God, right? And, and Jesus tells us that uh, Tyre and Sidon would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Uh, and then he goes on and says uh, the same thing about Sodom, right? It would have remained, meaning it would have repented had it gotten the message I just gave to you, right? So Jesus is going, preaching his gospel of the kingdom of God, 
of his revelation, right? The continuing revelation of God to his people. Um, he says Sodom would have believed and it would have remained until this day. Um, and then he, in verse 25, this is the, the part, uh, in 25, the first half of 25, Jesus says, well, at that time, Jesus declared, Matthew says about Jesus, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding. You know, you think about the people who uh, rejected Jesus in the Gospels. Think about your, maybe you rejected Jesus for a while. Maybe you, I know you have friends and family that have rejected the Gospel. And what is it about them, you know? What is it they they tend to look down on the gospel, right? Oh, that's ridiculous. Why would I believe that? I'm, I'm far too smart. I'm too, too evolved for that. I can't believe that, that silliness, that nonsense, right? Because they are wise in their own eyes, right? They are too wise, like he said here in, in verse 25a. At that time, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding. I'm not going to belabor the point, but just remind you of that, that some people are too wise, too smart, too rich, right? Uh, Jesus talked about the rich man, right? Too rich. You've got too much to give up, too much that you want to hold on, too much that you want to do, too much of life that you want to experience, right? The good life. That's really not the good life, those of us who are on the other side of that now, right? But they are unrepentant, hard-hearted, as some of us were, right? Um, what did they say about Jesus? They said he did his works by his father, Beelzebub. Remember that? <laughs> um, they said, ah, Jesus, we know your family. There's your brothers and sisters. You're not the Messiah. Uh, and then they finally sought to kill him because he made himself, as we saw in these verses, one with God, right? Not the, not the son of Beelzebub, but the son of Father God Most High, right? Um, I said right question, didn't I? Sorry. Uh, they, seek, they sought to kill him because he healed on the Sabbath. Big no-no. Don't, don't heal on the Sabbath. Don't do anything on the Sabbath. You know, they had, they had broken the, the uh, Old Testament commands down into bits and pieces, 613 of them, I think is the current count. And then they added things to that. Because you weren't supposed to labor on Sunday, well, gee, was setting up that camera laboring uh, maybe it was you know let's go to the Sanhedrin let's talk about it let's let's decide if that's work or not um, so all these things that were between them and Christ right no I'd rather I'd rather obey that list of rules and regulations I'd rather memorize my 613 uh, rules and regulations than than to give my life to you and accept your free gift. Um, in fact, uh, in a few chapters further in Matthew 23, uh, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. You remember that? He said, O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. It's that willful unrepentant, hard heart that Jesus denounces. Um, and Jesus finished that 
saying in Matthew 23 by saying, I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Remember Paul in 1 Corinthians said, um, remember your calling, brothers, not many, what? Powerful, not many wise, not many of noble birth. Uh, the gospel for those who are too wise, too rich, too noble, too sophisticated, too brilliant, too intelligent to receive the simple truth of the gospel, those are people that will not be participants in the grace of God. Uh, second piece we're breaking this down into is his gracious revelation to little children. We might restate Matthew eleven twenty five 25b like this, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have revealed these things to little children. Remember, he said it a little differently. He said, I, you have not revealed it to the wise and understanding, but you have revealed it, these things, to the little children. Remember, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God belongs to those who are like little children, right? Said it again. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Matthew 18, 2, 4. Calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Those who go to Jesus must go to him as a little child. What does this mean? This is time for feedback if you like. <laughs> what does it mean to be, what's the difference between us as adults? And these are obviously, these, these people who are arguing with Jesus are obviously arguing with him at, from an adult frame point, right? They're not arguing to him like a simple child. They're arguing with him and, and rejecting him as an adult. What are some of those things that make us as adults harder to reach, harder, to, harder for us to grasp the simple beauty of the gospel? I've already mentioned too, we're too wise, we're too smart, we're too sophisticated. Too self-serious. It's too serious. Self-sufficient, serious. Adults, adults, what? Chase trends. Chase trends. Chase trends, which some and some of Jesus's followers did that, right? To to be fed, for example. Yes. A lot of us also become closed-minded. Closed-minded, absolutely. We we have these thought patterns. Yes. We're works-based. We're children depend on the parents for things. We yep. want to do it ourselves. We want to earn it. Yep, yep. We want to earn it. No, free gift. We're, and part of that's because we become cynical. Ah, I can't really be free. What do I have to do? Let me, let me earn it. You know, my dad always said, um, I'd rather owe you than pay you or something. I don't know. He, like it was a favor thing. Like, yeah, you can give me something, but I'll owe you. I'll owe you for it. I'll owe you forever, right? Um, serious, self-sufficient, bootstraps, conniving, jealous, closed off, cynical, strong, proud, arrogant. These people who rejected Jesus and argued with him showed, showed every sign of being full-grown adults, right? Now, what about little children? 
What about little children? What is it about children that makes them the role model for citizens of the kingdom of God? Curious. Curious, yes. Imagination. Imagination. They can accepting. accepting. No, open. <laughs> open. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, They ask lots of questions. They're curious. I think maybe we already said curious. Not closed off. Playful. Humble. Right? I mean, not always. (laughs) Not always, obviously. Um, One one of our children at uh, like maybe two years old, said, I know it. I know everything. <laughs> so at all times, they're not humble. But they, generally speaking, they're not yet closed off. They live in the moment too, right? They don't have, first of all, they don't live way in the past. They don't have the past hurts. They don't have the past things to celebrate necessarily either, right? It's, it's right here and right now, which makes them open and and curious and all that, right? Anything else? Um, when offered a gift, they either accept it or reject it. Usually, right then and there, right? I've, I've got this chocolate cake right here. It's yours. It's gone. Adults, like, oh, what kind of chocolate is it? How old is it? How much is it? <laughs> anyway. And then finally, the, the last, you know, the third piece of this, the person of Jesus in verse 27. You see the person of Jesus, the one who offers this rest, right? In verse 27, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So I have to say parenthetically here, obviously we are not diving into the depths of all of these verses, right? Started off today talking about just what a crazy time we're living in, right? And this is just a little encouragement, a little reminder that we need to rest in the hope that we have in Jesus, right? Know that he is in control. Know who he is and what he's given to us and rest in that. By no means in one service, in one hour, are we going to plumb the depths of verse 27. Let's read that again. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son reveals him to that answers the biggest, the biggest question in life to me is, who is Jesus? Who was that masked rider that came to earth 2,000 years ago? If he, if he is who we claim him to be, that's everything. If he's some lunatic running around, then, then it's nothing, right? But who is Jesus and who does he claim to be? He claims right then and there to be one with the Father. Um, they were very clear at the time of Christ that there was one God, and there is one God, but 
they didn't have a concept really in the common, common people of a triune God and they took great exception that Jesus claimed to be one with the Father. That God was his Father was an abrupt slap in the face to them. Um, Matthew eleven twenty seven. Oh, that's what we just read. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. And he came to reveal. We, we started this morning in... Hebrews 1 as the call to worship where it says that God spoke to the nation of Israel through prophets, right? Through teachers, through prophecy, through their leaders. But in these last days, he's spoken to us in a son. And that son is the express image, right? The essence of God. He is God come in the flesh. Uh, 14, John 14 verse 9 says, If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. The oneness of the triune God is something we can't fully grasp. People joke that as couples age together, they begin to look alike, right? God says that husband and wife are one. But Jesus and the Father, when you see Jesus, he says you have seen the Father. When you've known me, you've gotten to know the Father. I've revealed him to you through my life. Because we are one, not like Paul and David are one, not like if we get to look alike as we age, but one. Colossians 2.9 says, in him the whole fullness of deity dwells. And Hebrews 1, as we said, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And finally, we turn to the last few verses, the last couple of verses, uh, 28 through 30. Come to me, and this is the offer, the the promise from Jesus. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, certainly the main crux of this verse is, or these verses is about the burden that the nation of Israel, the leaders of the nation of Israel, the religious burden that was placed upon the backs of those people. And, it, and it'd be the same thing given to those of us who were raised in church but never really knew the gospel and you felt religion was your duty to God. That's that same ultimate promise for salvation, for rest, from rest from your struggles to be right with God. But it's more than that. It goes above and beyond that because in Jesus, once you've had that transaction where you are his and he is yours and he is in you and you are in him, once you've got that, we ought to be able to rest no matter what's going on around us, right? The martyrs were able to, in some cases, go to horrible deaths, singing songs, praying for the people who are killing them, torturing them, because they found that ultimate rest in Christ. And so this, this today is a reminder that in all of this craziness, the, the stuff that's out, going on out there and the stuff that's going on in, in you, some of it because of what's going on in the world around us, we can rest, we can trust Jesus because of who he is and what promise he's given us 
we can rest. And from the very beginning of the Bible, think of the very beginning of the Bible, one of the first things in the story of creation we hear is rest. God rested and he wants us to rest. He implemented a day of rest for us. He offers us rest. He offers us peace in him. Peace from our struggles. Peace so that even in the midst of horrible times, and I'm not saying these are horrible times, but maybe, maybe, maybe they are. Um, in the midst of no matter what's going on, we should at least be able to rest in him. Now, I'm not suggesting that we lobotomize ourselves and, and think all, it's all hunky-dory. It's all, you know, we're, we're not going to do that. But don't get frantic, right? If, if there's something you can do, something you need to do, plan it out. Do it. But do it with a peace. Um, in the military, they, they train the military to go out and fight wars, right? And if, and if you talk to anybody who's been in, in battle and you ask them, were you afraid? Well, yes, of course I was afraid. You'd be stupid not to be afraid. They're, the only people who aren't afraid in battle shouldn't be in battle because there's something wrong with them. Yes, I was afraid. I was scared to death. But courage takes over and is above fear. And that's what we need. If you're rattled by this or rattled by anything, you need to have the courage that goes above your fear that says, yes, I'm afraid. Yes, this could go horribly wrong, but let's suck it up and do what we got to do. Um, those who come to Jesus are offered unimaginable unnatural rest. In coming to Jesus, we are trading our struggles for acceptance, belonging, approval, right standing with God, though I would argue most of us aren't really looking for right standing with God. We're looking for self-righteousness, which is something totally different. Everything is, everything is given up as Jesus gives us everything we need. All of those struggles, all of, all of the ugliness we give to Jesus and he gives us everything we need. And that in that, there is rest. In his hands, from which no one may snatch us, right, is comfort and rest. In him, we lay our heavy burdens down and take his yoke up, his easy yoke. And we're not even going to talk about that, about what's his yoke, what's it look like, what's his burden. That's for another day. Um, if you look that people like John Piper and just a myriad of people who are teaching through these verses, it's usually five, six, seven weeks, four weeks or something like that. There's a lot in here. Um, but we, in him we lay our heavy burdens down and take up his, his yoke. Um, Jesus is the truth and the life. He is the truth and the life, and your search is over, my search is over when we find our hope and trust Jesus. Resting in him from all our searches for meaning, significance, truth, satisfaction, you name it, especially rest from any religious prescription for pleasing or appeasing God. However, that doesn't make life a bed of roses. There are still going to be struggles and heartaches. First Thessalonians 4.13 says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep 
that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. So we know our grieving process is different. Our reaction to fear, our reaction to the pandemic, our reaction to all of this should be different than those who have no hope. John 16, I've said these things to you, Jesus speaking, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Uh, finally, Philippians 4, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If the, if the current events have rattled you or shaken you, I would remind you that the world is quite inhospitable, especially we ourselves. We've had plague after plague after plague. How many world wars have we had? What did they call World War I? The world to, the war to end all wars? Eh, nah, it didn't happen, right? Not, not, not quite. How much civil unrest have we had? Uh, have you read any of Charles Dickens' other books? He paints a picture of how horrible London was when he was alive. It was a horrible, nasty place. We find ourselves with a dizzying array of horrible things that could happen to us. C.S. Lewis, have y'all seen this thing floating around by C.S. Lewis? Uh, it's a quote from him back from like 1948, the beginning of the atomic age. Uh, people have used it to say, oh, yeah, so let's don't, Let's throw a mask off and let's just get back together and quit, quit social distancing and all this. And that's, it would be a different response today because of the difference here. But, but here's a quote. He says, Do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, that's anesthetics, but we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances, with such chances and in which Death itself is not a chance at all, but a certainty. Always love reading his writing, but he nails it. I mean, none of us were getting out alive anyway. There's all kinds of horrible ways to die. This is just one more. One, one more that's probably been around for a while, and it's just now come over here. So don't let it rattle you. Remember the authority of Jesus we read in verse 27. It's the prelude to the promise he offers you. So rest in Jesus. Don't let whatever craziness is coming in August, whether that's killer wasps that travel on the backs of turtles or whatever August ends up bringing, don't let it get you down. Certainly there is work to be done in society, in culture, in politics. Just be rational, reasonable, faithful, trusting people who have something to say to people, especially this message that we can find rest in Jesus because of who he is and what he's done. Parting thoughts. Matthew eleven twenty-five 25 through 30, I've said this, it's a rich, 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 rich 
set of verses that we didn't even attempt to, to talk about in any depth. Plumb it. Read it. Check it out for yourself. Two, rest in Jesus. Relax, especially as it relates to the chaos around us. And unless you have real deep solutions, maybe don't get mixed up in the fray, whatever that fray is, you know? I mean, if you've got solutions, if you've got people you can influence, great, do that. But man, don't just throw stuff on the wall to see if it sticks. Um, and if you have trouble resting because of personal turmoil, if you have trouble in spite of this rest, you know that God's granted us. If you have trouble resting in that and you still find yourself rattled, ask for help. That's why we're here. That's, that's why we, one of many reasons we do life as a body, that God's called us together into a group of people. Ask for help, get help, you, maybe even professional help. Like Moses at the battle of, with the Amalek, how do you say that? Amalekites, Amalekites, thank you, right? Amalekites. Do you remember that? Aaron and, and the guys are out battling, and when Moses held his arms up, they won, and when he got tired and put his hands down, the battle went the other way, and so Aaron and her held, wait, Aaron wasn't battling, Joshua. So they held his arms up, and they won the victory. We all need help. And this is, a, this is a crazy time. However, I will say, it's no different probably than any others. I, we were talking earlier, Lenora, that, I mean, the Black Plague, they estimate 40% of Europe died in the Black Plague. And we still have the Black Plague that, that pops up every once in a while. It's a real thing. This is really, in the, in the grand scheme of things, this is... Not that much. And the fact that we have all this technology and we know to wear a mask and all that is just a blessing upon blessing that we're not caught in the Black Plague times. You know, we've got air conditioning, we've got cars. Most of us are still employed and all that stuff. It's, it could be a whole lot worse. And for a lot of people, it is a whole lot worse. So don't let this rattle you.